So, um, if you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to find John chapter 15. John chapter 15, okay? Uh, at River of Life, we often will start the new year with some type of focus on prayer or fasting. All right, and I've often appreciated those times. Uh, and this year, I was planning on doing something similar. But as I began to prepare, I just felt like there was a pivot that needed to be made uh, a little bit in this. Nothing major, but I felt like there was something that was a precursor to talking about prayer and fasting. All right? Because I realized, like, it, it doesn't matter if we know how to pray, if we know when to pray, if we know why to pray, if we never slow down enough and actually take time to pray. All right, and I am so guilty of this at different times in my life of knowing like the importance of prayer and yet my life moves at a pace that I just don't seem to have time to slow down and, and do that in at least an extravagant way like I feel like I should. All right, and so, uh, and not just, you know, praying before a meal or praying for a couple minutes when something big comes up, but spending time with God. And so last week we started looking at John chapter 15. Uh, and it has this amazing visual analogy that Jesus uses to describe our relationship with him and what it should look like. And he uses the idea of vine and branches. All right. And uh, he keeps using the same phrase or the same word over and over in John 15. Uh, the same Greek word, it was written in Greek, uh, is used about a dozen times in just about five or six verses. And the word in Greek is meno. Meno, okay? And, and we said, this was last week, we kind of talked about this, and it was, this isn't really like a two-part series as much as it was one message that was just a little too big to be one message that we've broken into two. And so I want to kind of catch us up to speed. Meno means to remain, stay, or reside. And we looked at how different translations of the English Bible have translated that word from Greek into English. Uh, and two of the words that we found that we wanted to focus in on and almost kind of let them be like words of the year for our church. Um, two of the words were this, abide and tarry. And we purposely chose some words um, actually kind of more from, from like the King James translation because it was words that most of us probably didn't know. And maybe this is like the first time you're hearing some of these words. You're like, I don't really know what those mean. So here's, here's the definitions uh, of each one of those words for abide. Abide is kind of the same idea of to, to bear patiently, all right, to endure without yielding, to remain stable, to continue in one place. Now the translation that we read out of often actually instead of the word abide just simply says remain in me. Remain in me is the phrase that we keep seeing. And then the word tarry. And I love this word. It's not a common word anymore, but it just means to linger with expectation. And as I wanted to talk about prayer and fasting, I realized that if I don't understand this, and I don't understand this type of rhythm in my life, I'm going to struggle to have a life that is filled with prayer. All right, and so Jesus is saying, like, your relationship with me needs to look like this. You need to remain in me, stay with me, reside with me, to live life in a way where he is not left behind at church on Sunday, where we can just linger in his presence with zero agenda, no reason other than to just be with him, not because we need something. All right, and the word Terry says to linger with him in expectation. 
Now that can be good or bad based off of your expectation because expectations can come with an agenda if you have something specific in mind. But if your expectation is just God wants to be with me and I want to be with him and I want to be more like him, then it makes it so that we aren't apathetic or complacent. It says, I want more of him. I I expect that he wants to change me. But how he does that, I will wait for his instruction. I will let him do that. I'm not going to have expectations of what that looks like, just expectations that he wants to change me. Now, I've messed this up before where I was praying for something specific. I would even say I was tarrying, but I was doing it with the wrong expectations. All right, and, and the problem is my expectation was that the prayer being answered was going to look like a certain thing. And sometimes these expectations are based on what we want or what we think is the best way. Sometimes we think uh, prayer should be answered a certain way to make my life easier, right? It fits into my current life. So God, your answer to my prayer needs to fit my current life. And we, it, we ignore so many other things when I think the reality is God doesn't need to change his answer to fit our life. There's times that we need to change our life to fit his answer. And that's such an important thing to, to bring into our times with him. Instead of just having this expectation that God, if I pray this prayer, this is what it looks like for you to answer that prayer. All right, and so this idea of potentially changing some major parts of my life or the way that I do things, the rhythms of my life, it has been pretty present for me over the past week. All right, as we've been having these times of abiding with God. All right, and I'm not sure if I need to just be open to it or if there's some major things that need to change. I've been reading a book, uh, I mentioned it last week, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I actually, there was enough people coming in this week as we were doing our, we had like two hour windows each day to spend time with God that kept borrowing my book when I wanted to be reading it that I took it to the copier and this is probably completely illegal. I made copies of the prologue and chapter one and I had a bunch of those sitting up here on the stage because I'm like, I want to read my book. And the amount of people that came up and grabbed that, read that and then were like, yeah, by the way, we just ordered that book. Right, like I think there's like half a dozen people that this week ordered this because uh, it just is incredibly impactful the way that he talks about how our lives are based around hurry and, and that it, we need to change that. And I'm actually, I'm going to share just a couple pieces out of even the first chapter here. Um, and, you know, it, it just is amazing. He talks about this idea of like too many of us, we adopt the theology and the ethics of Jesus but we never actually adopt his way of life. And that just like hit me like, wow, like I, have I adopted his way of life? And so here's a couple of things. They, they did a, um, a survey called the Obstacles to Growth in Christian Life. They surveyed about 20,000 Christians around the globe, so that's a good sample size. Uh, and here is the hypothesis that kind of comes with this. It said, Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to leave, live, which leads to more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which if you paid attention, number five was also number one, and it just becomes cyclical. 
that we live in this place of just busy and hurry and overload. And he says, love, joy, and peace. These are at the heart of what Jesus is trying to grow in the soil of your life. And all three of those, love, joy, and peace, are incompatible with hurry. Love, joy, and peace do not go with hurry. And then he said this line, and this one just hit me so hard. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. And I read that, and that hit me hard. I have absolutely had seasons where I settled for a mediocre faith. And it wasn't because I wanted to. It wasn't because I didn't believe in God. It wasn't because I was doubting a bunch of different things. I've had moments like that too. But it was simply because my life was in such a place of hurry that I could not slow down and truly connect with God the way that I needed to. And so I, I would challenge you, if, if you're looking for something to change the way you approach this year, this book is great. We also have then, this kind of came out of this, same author. It's called Practicing the Way. And it says, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do as he did. All right, we actually even have uh, a spring life group that is going to be going through this book. All right, this book just came out. The leader of that life group was upset with me. He's like, how did you get that book? I pre-ordered it and it hasn't shown up yet. And I don't know how Pastor Aaron got it for me, but she did. <laughs> and so we have this book. It, is ju it just came out. Um, same type of thing. If you're looking for a life group, I'd encourage you. If you need a different way to approach life. All right, and so I need to learn to slow down, abide, not rush through different things. Okay, Jesus was never rushed. Actually, the majority like, of the miracles in the Gospels, if you look at them, they actually happened while he was on his way to do something else. And someone interrupted him, and he slowed down and met them where they were at. I don't know if God were trying to get me to slow down if I'm on my way to something, if I would actually recognize what he's trying to get me to do. Because I am so tunnel vision and focused on what is coming next. And so this has just been a huge challenge for me. All right, and now as we learn to slow down and abide, John 15, our passage then, it says this, there is pruning that is going to happen. There's pruning that's going to happen. We're going to read this in just a moment. And pruning takes time. It isn't a rushed job. And pruning or cutting things away is a difficult process when it happens to us because it isn't just cutting away dead things. That's easy. God, this, I don't like this part of my life. This is not going well. Feel free to cut that and take it away. That's not necessarily what pruning always is. And if we have not learned how to abide and remain in him, pruning might just almost kill you. Not necessarily physically, but it can, it, can, it can just cause you to question so many different things if you are not remaining in God, all right? So that was last week, moving into this week, um, and we're going to go through this quickly. I know we had the baby dedication, and uh, I don't want to rush through this as we're talking about slowing down. At the same time, obviously being respectful of what our time is. So we started this idea with abiding last week. Would you stand with me? I want to read through our passage again. I'm going to read through kind of this whole chunk. The first little bit is where we're kind of looking at today, this idea of pruning. But just kind of take this in. I'm reading it in the New Living Translation. So you'll see the words remain in me instead of abide. All right, so I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. God, we pray that this passage would shape the way that we approach this year. Lord, that it would change us, it would challenge us. God, and that 2024 would be so much more focused on you than any year that preceded this. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can take a seat. So pruning is kind of a funny thing. It seems super simple, right? Like just cut things off. Um, but it isn't su- simple. Our house that we bought here in town in Long Prairie, the back property line has lilac bushes. And I love lilac. I love the way they look, the way they smell, everything. The problem was ours looked like a Verizon commercial. All right, we're like the left one, kind of, I guess, inverted. The left one was super small, and as you went to the right, the last one was huge, and like I had to like fight it to get into the shed that was over in that corner of our yard. And I'm sitting there looking at this, I'm like, it looks so dumb. And why can't they just, why aren't they growing the same? Why can't, and I'm like, I'm going to fix this, all right? So what I did was I went and grabbed uh some like garden shears. Okay, now you can have like little pruning clippers, like nice little clippers. You guys know what I'm talking about, what those look like. I think we have a picture of even what those look like, those little garden clippers. All right, so you have those nice little ones. You can be careful, you can do that. Uh, Do you think that's what I grabbed? No, no, I got a ladder and I got those big hedge trimmers and I'm like, all right, we're gonna, we're taking care of business here. And I don't have time to do this nice. And so this is how I just started hacking things off. And the big one just became real small. I went down the line, made them all look the same. So now they just all look terrible. Okay, that's the result of me trying to prune something. Now, my concern, I think, with this is that when I read that God is going to prune me, that there's going to be pruning in my life that it needs to happen, I think of how I prune things. God coming in with the garden shears and just saying, all right, let's just, I don't have time to do this individually. Let's grab 10 people. We're going to prune you in groups, okay? So I'm just going to put all 10 of you together, prune this, and okay, go along your way. That, that's just not how this works. Thankfully, God is a little more knowledgeable, careful, and intentional than I am. I was reading about someone who had learned to prune a rose bush, and I found this interesting. A rose bush, left to its own devices, will begin to grow inward on itself. And it'll get tangled up. And so all these branches, they'll be going up and they'll have shoots that go inward. And actually it's, it will choke out the light that the, that the bush needs because it's competing against itself. All right. And it will end up with some flowers. It'll end up with some roses, but it'll have a lot of roses that are pretty mediocre. 
That's what happens if you leave a rose bush to its own devices. Now, when you prune a rose bush, you prune it so that the branches going away from the center remain. If a branch is going towards the middle, you, you clip that one and you leave the branches going away. This allows it to get more light instead of choking its own light. This way it will grow in the right direction. The branches will grow to the right ends. You prune it so that it stops wasting its energy on branches and flowers that are not going to amount to what they should. You prune it so that it stops being unproductive. You prune it so that the flowers that are growing will be brilliant and beautiful. Because you, it's better in a rosebush to have a few brilliant, beautiful flowers than lots of mediocre ones. You cut out the parts that are fighting each other and growing inwards. Basically, you prune a rosebush to help it be its true self and reach its full potential. And pruning is not just a nice little cut. Like, I found this diagram that just blew me away. Like, you look at this, this diagram of pruning a rosebush, okay? And you have the rosebush on the left, and when you go all the way down to light pruning, look how much of that bush has been cut away. That's crazy. A light pruning, and you lose that much. Then just the medium pruning, this is, this is what most bushes need. Look at how little that is. And then you have a renewal pruning where it is like cutting it down to just almost nothing. So if you think that, like, like I did, that pruning is like, okay, either I'm going to grab the shears and just hack everything away indiscriminately and, and let it be smaller, or if you're like, well, pruning is just coming in and kind of snipping a little one here, a little one there. Like this is a different idea than what I held for pruning. And as I was studying pruning, I had this super weird thought come across my mind. Have you ever thought what it must be like to be a plant that is getting pruned? Okay, obviously plants don't have feelings, they don't have minds, but if they had the ability to process what was happening, like you finish up your season and you're feeling pretty good, you made some flowers, they weren't the best, but you made flowers, that was your job. You grew some fruit, you know, if it's not a rose bush, and all of a sudden someone comes along, and just starts cutting things. And at first, there might be some dead branches that they cut, and you're like, good, thank you, I needed that. That was a waste of space, it's gone, that's great. And then all of a sudden, this branch that you were most proud of, that you loved the most, that you got the most compliments on, you see the clippers start to go around that one. And you're like, what are you doing? That's the best part of me. You can't take that away. That's the part that everybody else loves. That's the part that, that I get praised for. And yet it gets cut. Can you imagine how traumatizing some of those things would, would be? And to which the answer for most of us actually might be, yeah, I can. Because pruning happens in our lives. We see that in Scripture. Jesus paints that picture, and it's crazy how when Jesus uses an analogy, like how spot on it is. I can look back on my life, the various directions my life has taken, the shape my life has taken, and now with hindsight, I can see what God was doing. I had dreams of what I thought I was going to do, or even just what I thought was going to happen, and then things can be changed pretty drastically. 
Things can be cut out of your life. Same thing with my wife, Emily. I know basically since we had graduated our undergraduate and we were down in Minneapolis, she had this idea of wanting to go back to school to get her master's to, to go into this certain field. And we moved up to Bemidji and we started praying about it, but there was nowhere to do it there. And this was, again, we were praying, thinking an answered prayer would look like this. And we were looking for like a distant school and all these different things. And that didn't happen. And then pretty soon we realized that actually an answered prayer looked really different. And we moved. We moved to Duluth and there was universities that are multiple that she could go and get this degree in and do different things. And there was uh, childcare that was available to us at a cheaper rate and all these different things. And the crazy thing is, all of our kids were born in Duluth, and over those five years, it just never worked. We thought that that's what that would look like, and instead it never worked. We moved to Long Prairie. Now, you usually don't move to a town like Long Prairie. I love Long Prairie. You don't move to a town like Long Prairie thinking like, okay, I need to go back to a major university and get this degree because last time I checked, unless something changed this week, there's no university here. But that answered prayer was amazing. With hindsight, we can see she ended up at St. Cloud State driving a bunch. Uh, it made things difficult for a long season. But it was so perfect. We never would have planned it that way. But it was so perfect, the relationships that she had, where she was then able to uh, even just introduce people from her cohort to Jesus. We had a classmate who... Uh, actually had come over from another country and really had never been to a church before. Come and join us on Easter and hang out with us. And just this amazing, like, wow, church can be like this? This is not what church is like in Russia. And like, just like a crazy different thing, all these things going on. And you're like, it was so cool to see God's hand at work. We never would have chosen that path. We never would have chosen that shape for our life. But pruning and God cutting things away, it's amazing what he can do. And it often, he prunes so that we can better glorify him. Not so that we have the perfect little American life, but so that we can glorify him better. So that we can have the shape in our life that he wants. But all this starts with abiding. If we don't know how to remain in God, we, we will not survive being pruned. And if we don't abide, we can't bear fruit. If we don't bear fruit, we aren't pruned. We are cut off, is what that scripture says. And I realized this past week, as I tried to be better at abiding, my life is not set up to be conducive to that. I need parts of my life to get pruned so that I can abide better. The reward for fruit and beautiful flowers, according to Jesus, is actually being pruned. In a way, we could say that the, the better you're doing, the more pruning there may be. And this is a mindset change that I think needs to happen. Because it's hard. It often feels like good things in our life should stay. But that's not always how it works. Maybe you've heard the phrase before that like the biggest enemy of great is good. Things are good, so let's just stay there. Why fix something that isn't broken? And God's saying, hey, I, I have so much more for you. There's so much more that can happen in this area of your life. You just need to trust me. And if I cut this away and you start to move a different direction, you need to trust me. What if by pruning the good things, it creates space and time and energy for something even greater to come along? 
And I think often, though, like, I get this idea in my mind of I see the knife or the clippers as something to fear. And we see it as this confusing, difficult, hurtful thing in our life. Many of us probably struggle to allow God to guide parts of our life because we just don't trust that where he's going to lead us is where we want to go. And I think we end up with this like idea that if God is guiding my life, I'm going to end up on some jungle island as a missionary. And I don't want to do that. And so I can't let him guide my life. And it's just, it's just not always the case. Like allowing God to guide these parts of our life. And I love, there, there was a line that I read in a commentary this week as I was just digging into John 15. I love how this is phrased. It's from N.T. Wright. And he says this, The vine dresser is never closer to the vine, taking more thought over its long-term health and productivity than when he has the knife in his hand. This is so good. It is such a loving and caring and gentle process. And the purpose of the process is to help us thrive in life. The knife isn't a dangerous tool when it's in the hands of a master. Let's stand together. I want us to move just kind of into a time of response here. Worship team, you guys can come. Some of you have gone through pruning in your past. Maybe you didn't realize it was pruning. Maybe you just thought things were being taken away from you. And I think we need to change our view of what change in our life can be. Maybe you saw it as hurting you. Maybe you now, with hindsight, can see it for the benefit that it was. Have you ever had that? In the moment, something's taken away and you're like, what is my life going to look like without this? That was the best part of me. That's the part that everyone else loved. That's the part that got complimented the most. And for some reason, it, it was taken out of your life. And you're like, I, I don't understand this. And maybe now, with hindsight, you can see that, okay, actually, when that was taken in that direction, it allowed for this other thing to happen, and that's been the best thing in my life. Maybe you need to rethink some of the things from your past. Instead of seeing it as God taking things from you, maybe he was pruning and preparing you. Maybe he was helping you go a different direction because he saw that you were going to waste a lot of energy on something that just shouldn't even be there. Others in the room, maybe you are going through some pruning right now. And maybe you didn't realize it was pruning until right now and you're like, okay, I need to take a different approach. Because when we don't have a good attitude, pruning, pruning can kill us. If our attitude is wrong, things being taken from our life, it can cause us to just be bitter and angry, to lash out at other people, to think that they're the reason why that's gone, when in reality, maybe it's actually God's grace and mercy that it is. Maybe you had plans of how your life was going to continue in the way that it was right now, and then all of a sudden, this pruning happens and everything's changing. But what was determining the shape of your life? Often I think we let the world determine our shape. We stand in a line like a bunch of lilac, and the world says, you know what would be best is if you all look the same. Uniformity here. We're going to cut you all the same. And the reality is that's not the shape that you're supposed to take. 
You know, we allow the world to do it, or maybe we allow ourselves to do it, and we think, I know what's best in my life. And so once you give me the clippers, I'm going to start cutting things out. I'm going to make this the best that it can be. The reality is we honestly, we don't get too far in life before we realize, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. God, please take the clippers back. And for others in the room, maybe you can't think of any moments like this, but I can guarantee you, you're going to have them. You're going to have them. There's going to be moments of pruning. And the good thing is, is that if we allow God to prune us, if we can just trust him, he has what's best in mind for us. Pruning isn't something to be scared of. It's something to be expected and to embrace when it happens. It would be way easier if God showed up and just said, hey, by the way, you're doing great. I love your life. I'm just going to prune a few things here, okay? So I'm going to cut this off. Don't worry. Trust me. I have something else better for you. I'm going to take this away. Like if he walked us through that, pruning would not be hard, but that's not what it is. It's me left wondering, why was that branch cut away? Because I can't make sense of this. And I have to walk into this with the right attitude so that I can see these things happening. Instead of being left guessing whether that was pruning so it can grow more or cutting off because it was bad or just bad luck in life like and didn't have any divine direction to it. And so here, I have a challenge for us. Like I want us to kind of adopt these three things, okay? So here's, here's our challenge for this. All right, the first one is this. Uh, I, I want us to live in a way where we are abiding and remaining in him so that we can continue to bear fruit. We are called to do that, to bear fruit. We are called to remain in him, to have that type of a relationship. All right, the second thing is this. I want us to live in a way where we live with expectation that pruning will happen. Pruning is going to happen in my life. It's probably going to happen this week. It might be little, it might be big, I don't know, but it's going to happen. And if I live with that expectation, then when it happens, I guarantee my response will be different. Okay, because here's the third challenge, is to live in a a way where we see things being cut away, not necessarily as a bad thing, but maybe as, as something that God is doing for us. And if we can begin to live with these three things in mind, pruning is not something that we're going to be worried about. Pruning is something that we can embrace when it happens. And we can trust that, that God is never closer to us and he's never taking more thought over our long-term health and productivity than when he has the knife in his hands. So I want to just challenge us with that. We are going to close just going through a song here. Pastor Aaron's going to come in just a moment. She's going to lead us into a time of response. We have a song that we sang last week. We're going to sing it again this week that just really goes along with John 15 and a lot of the the words that are there. And maybe you need to just read the lyrics. Maybe you want to sing along with whatever that looks like. I want us to just go after God in these last few moments um, just as a community as we kind of gather together. So Pastor Aaron, would you come and just move us in that direction?